We are um, thinking today about the topic of friendship. I, I wanted to ask you to think for just a moment about your good friends. Teenagers, thinking about your good friends right now at church, in your youth group. Uh, who do you want to sit by? Who do you look for? Who do you want to ask you to save you a seat on the bus? How do you, who, do you, who do you want to room with when you go to a retreat or Winterfest or whatever? Uh, what, who do you want to be with? Uh, think about uh, older adults. Who were your best friends in high school or in college? Who were the people that made an impact and influence? For, for whatever reason, you just... Connected. What made them a good friend to you? What made you a good friend to them? As we consider friends, I think it's very possible to be friendly toward lots of people, but it's rare to have a good, godly, close friend. If you have one or more, you should consider yourself greatly blessed. There is a deep impact. You can learn so much and grow so much from another good friend who's also a brother or sister in Christ. Uh, we should be able to be a friend wherever we are and wherever we go, and we should look for opportunities to grow our friendships and to add new ones and maintain the old ones. I'll never forget, Carl Anderson was my fifth grade best friend. Uh, he was probably my best friend for two or three years, in fact. And there for a while, Carl, though he was my best friend, he was probably not the best influence on me. Uh, in fifth grade, we had a system. This was back in the days when schools disciplined children. I don't know if they do that anymore or not. But, but back in that day, uh, you had a teacher, and if you were misbehaving, you got a, your name written on the board. Your name on the board was not an award. It was an, a warning. It was sort of a public humiliation. <laughs> so she'd teach her to write your name on the board. Now, if you got a check mark by your name, that meant that you had stepped beyond the warning. Now you were being punished. You lost your first recess. If you got a second check mark, that means you lost both recesses. And if you continued and you got check mark number three, you were going to go to Mr. Fry, the principal of Potwin Elementary School. And uh, there you would be introduced to the Board of Education, uh, which is a fancy way of saying we would get SWATs. Uh, that was back in the day when you would get SWATs. And uh, so there was a very real sense of discipline. And <laughs> my best friend and I, Carl, uh, got into a lot of trouble. Um, we often, before the day had begun, had our names on the board and a single check mark. We were already, before the day had started, we were down to one recess. So, <laughs> you can have a good friend, a best friend, and not necessarily good for you, or doesn't necessarily act in your best interest. That is probably why the Bible gives us a great deal of wisdom and counsel about friendship, and being cautious in that. So we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, which is where we are in the Sunday night study, and we're going to look at what the Proverbs have to say on this very important subject of friendship. So open your Bibles, book of Proverbs, and be thinking about the people that have influenced you in your life, the good ones, the bad ones, and all friends in between. Uh, here is some wisdom that Proverbs gives us on the topic of friendship. First is, wise people are thoughtful 
about friendship. Um, there are, I, you know, there are, there are kind of two basic groups of people in terms of personalities. There's innies and outies. Okay? There's introverts and extroverts. Uh, there are people who are natural. And the way to think about this is on your phone, your uh, most phones have a little icon at the top that has a picture of a battery. And it will show you at any given point how much life is left in the battery. And the more you're doing on your phone, of course, and, and the, running the GPS, running the apps, running the games, the more it drains your battery. Okay, So it's just telling you that. An introvert is not someone who cannot be social. An introvert is someone who's drained by social interactions. So if you're an introvert, when you go to church and somebody like me says, hey, turn to your neighbor, uh, you can do that, but that's a very draining exercise. There are extroverts. Uh, they're the opposite. Uh, you get in a social interaction, they are, they are charged up. Their little batteries just climbing up and up and up as they interact with people. And they get home from church and they are just on fire. They are just excited and ready to go. So with these different types of people, um, I think one danger for extroverted people is that they're just, they're friendly toward lots of people and consequently they have lots of friends, which means you would think that's a good thing. But not always, because the Bible warns us about being careful with the people that we allow close to us and close to our hearts. So if you're extroverted and it's easy for you to make friends and you can walk into a room and meet a stranger and all of that, that's a good thing, but you should be careful and cautious and wise and thoughtful about who you surround yourself truly with as friends. Let's go to Proverbs 12.26. Proverbs 12.26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Wise people are thoughtful about friendship. Now, I, I, I do think, personally, that Christians should be the type of people who are friendly to everyone. However, I also think we should be careful about who we choose to be friends with. Um, <laughs> a little bit of a side note, but it, it, it's important to understand that not everyone who's friendly toward you is truly has your best interest at heart. Uh, the late Steve Irwin, who's a, a crocodile hunter, famous for uh, interacting with dangerous animals, crocodiles, uh, a chief among them, and somebody was interviewing one time about that. I said, how can you interact with these you know, crocodiles, for example? You know, they're so dangerous. How can you do that all the time? And uh, his response is pretty good. He said, oh, right, crocodiles, crocodiles are real easy. He was Australian, by the way. Crocodiles are real easy. See, you know that the crocodile is going to kill you. And that's what he wants to do. Humans are much harder. They'll try to be your friend first. <laughs> And, and that's that. It, that's kind of a silly way to, to say something true, which is not everyone who is willing to be your friend is a person who's good for you. And so we should be cautious and thoughtful and choose your friends carefully. I don't know how Carl Anderson and I got to be such good friends other than the fact that we just sat by each other. And he liked goofing off and 
his goofing off made me laugh, and that just encouraged him. It probably wasn't wise for me to be friends with Carl. Eventually, I had to kind of end that friendship so I could enjoy recess. Well, we all need to be more thoughtful about our friendships according to the scriptures, and especially according to Proverbs. Number two, so if we're thoughtful about it, what are we looking for? Well, wise people surround themselves with wise friends. If you're going to make friends, uh, the scripture will encourage you to pursue wise people and to avoid foolish people. Now, that would be easy if you had like the wise people wear red and the foolish people wear blue and you could just gravitate toward everybody who's wearing red. But that's not the way it works. It is a process. How do you determine the difference between wise people and fools? Well, you have to look at their behavior. Jesus said, by their fruits, you'll know them. You have to look at the results of their life. Look at some other Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. You be careful. A person who's foolish, now in, in Proverbs, of course, we've already talked about this, a person who's foolish doesn't mean if an, an unintelligent person. There's a lot of very intelligent fools in the world. Okay? A fool is just someone who's godless, doesn't care about God's ways, and doesn't walk in God's paths. And so we need to associate with godly people. Walk with the wise and become wise. Youth group's having a devotional tonight. I hope some of your very, very best friends are in the youth group. But even then, I can tell you and warn you, and Jeff, I think, would, would back this up, that not everyone in the youth group is necessarily good for you. We have to think about it. We have to look at individuals' hearts and their behaviors. So walk with the wise, Scripture tells us. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs chapter 22 is the next one on this point. <clears throat> Simple example. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Now, this example is a person who's hot-tempered. Okay? A hot-tempered person usually gets themselves in trouble, gets themselves crossways with a lot of people. Well, if you're always with them, you're going to get crossways with a lot of people, not because you've lost your temper, but because they associate that hot-tempered person and you together. We have to be careful about who you surround yourselves with. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. I hate that. I, I hate that for all of us. I, I wish it wasn't that way. But it, it seems to be a universal truth that bad is more powerful than good. That evil has more influence than, than wise or, or, or righteousness. Um, picture a person climbing a ladder. It's much easier for us to pull them down than it is to try to pull someone else, if they're on the ladder, to pull them another person up with them. It, it's like they have an advantage. Uh, the people trying to pulling them down are, 
have that advantage. So we have to be cautious and careful about who we run with. Here's a good question, maybe to think of yourself. When you think of your best friend at church, think of your best friend at school, think of your best friend at your workplace, and now ask yourself, is that person going the way that I want to go? And that's true eternally, but that's also true relationally. Uh, that's true uh, in a lot of different ways. We've got to be cautious about who we surround ourselves with. Walk with the wise and become wise. You're wisest if you can surround pe- yourself with people who are smarter, better, more mature, uh, closer to Jesus than you are. And if you surround yourself with that circle of people, I can guarantee you, uh, you will be better over time. The old saying, which is not a biblical proverb, but it's, it's a proverb of, of uh, uh, general uh, good wisdom, and that's this. Show me who you run with, and I'll show you who you are. Okay, so what are some other things we can look for besides wisdom and godliness? Well, devotion. Good friends are devoted. They're with you through the thick and the thin. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Here's a good trait to look for in friendship. Uh, It's easy to be surrounded by people who love us when things are going well. But who are the people that call when you're in the valleys? Who are the people that text when you've had a bad day? Who are the people who are there for you maybe when others have scattered? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Uh, One chapter over, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I think we are wise to look for people who are devoted. And devoted, and and you can look at their lives for a picture of that. How devoted are they to their friendships? How devoted are they in their school, schoolwork? How devoted are they in their work? How devoted of a person are they real flighty? If it's a flighty person... It probably is not a wise assumption to believe they'll be a devoted friend. We can think of lots of biblical examples, of course. Uh, David and Jonathan is the probably the best known one. And in fact, uh, so strong is their devotion of friendship to one another that uh, some more, I, I don't know, some people look on that friendship and say, eh, that seems to be a bit more there than a friendship. Well, I reject that wholeheartedly. I just think that true devoted friendship is so rare that when we see it, we're astonished by it. Um, it's found in First Samuel chapters 18, 19, 20. It's about the, uh, hits a lot of the high points with David and Jonathan. Um, Their bond for one another, with one another, was characterized by loyalty, 
trust and selflessness. Um, Jonathan, of course, was in a unique spot. His dad was the current king. He recognized that his best friend was going to be future king. That didn't make his dad too happy. He's kind of caught in the middle of these two. But in spite of this, he was still David's friend to the end. He befriended him. He supported him. Uh, He even, at the risk of his own position in the royal family, uh, kept his friendship with David. And I think that's a good, I, I think that's an excellent Example of devotion. Um, If you can, we all think in that moment, boy, I wish I had a friend like that. And maybe the better challenge is, how can you be a friend like that? How can you be the person who's devoted? uh, Like Jonathan was to David. So, good friends are devoted. That's just a, uh, an important characteristic that we need to look for. And you have lots of friends, but it's the ones that stick with you through the hard times that are showing their true friendship to you. I, I've got several examples of this, but a, a simple one that I remember very clearly is the night we had a hailstorm. And it was one of those Kansas hailstorms that's kind of a rare thing. Uh, and the hail just... just poured out and it wasn't large hail but it was it was like uh, very very small like maybe marble size or, or smaller but there was so much of it that it just filled the gutters and it and it was just coming down it looked like almost like heavy snow it was so um, thick well as that hail came down it f- began to cover the drains and fill the gutters and kind of overflow out of things. And in, in the back of our house, we have a drain where because the water kind of drains down to this pit and there's a drain in the middle. And a lot of this hail had been caught inside. And it kind of went to the middle where the drain was, but it formed an ice dam. And the water from the rain began to go in there and it began to fill up. And it began to flood our basement. And I was so completely, totally stressed out. Absolutely, just level 10. And in that moment, I did what a self-reliant person does. I went to the basement and I started shop vacuuming and, and just moving things and doing that all by myself. And it was because I, I it was just, it's just instinct for me. And my dear wife texted some friends, and she wasn't even asking for help. She said, could you just pray, because we're in a real bad situation right now. Basement's flooding and all of that. And at like 10 o'clock at night, four or five of our good friends at that time from church came over into our basement and took what would have been all uh, an entire night of work and and we were done within an hour and a half. And I will never, ever forget the devotion of those people in that moment. And it encourages me that there are people like that, and it reminds me that I need to be a person like that, that I need to be and show such devotion. Number four, good friends 
love you enough to wound you when necessary. Now, this sounds a little weird, but turn to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. <clears throat> Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Yeah. There's a lot of enemies that you have that pretend to be your friend. And they'll flatter you and they'll compliment you. But they're really not acting in your best interest. But it seems like they are. They, they seem very friendly. But a good friend wounds you, which sounds weird to think that your friend would hurt you in some way. You should praise God if you have a friend that loves you enough and is devoted enough to you who will tell you the truth even if it's not what you want to hear. Rare are those friends. And I don't mean that your friend should always be insulting you and putting you down. That's not what I mean at all. I, I mean that there are people who take seriously their friendship. And, and they, the people they surround themselves with, they are devoted to those people. And they, if they see one of their friends going down a foolish path, they will pull them aside and say, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Why are you doing this? And I hope you have, a, if not now, at some point in your life, a friend who is such a friend. A good friend, someone wrote, is like a surgeon. They cut you only when necessary and only to heal you. But they do not shy away from cutting when it is needed. You know our some of our story from last year, but I, it's, it's just so, such an example of this. Um, we paid and our insurance company paid lots of money to professional people to go in and cut my wife up. They were cutting not to hurt her, but to heal her. And they did so, so carefully and so cautiously to only cut where absolutely necessary and to cut on the things that needed removing and to gently stitch it back together. And I cannot think of a better analogy for a good friend. A really good example of this from the Bible is Jesus and Peter. You know, Peter has denied Jesus three times. Jesus told him he would do that. He didn't think he would do it. He said, everybody else will fall away, but I won't, Lord. But sure enough, that rooster crowed three times. And John says that he went outside and wept bitterly. Now, I think about why Peter wept. There was a lot of reasons there, but... Chief among these had to be 
that just on a human level, Jesus and Peter were like this. For three years, they had lived together and walked together and and broken bread together. And he watched Jesus and heard Jesus. And and he was Jesus' right-hand man. That's the picture I get. And they were so close. And you know, he had to be devastated. How could I, in the moment where he needed me most, deny him to a, a common servant three times? So he's, he's just carrying this weight, this devastation that he's feeling. And John beautifully records Jesus' response post-resurrection. This is in John 21, if you want to follow along. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Lord, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You, you know there had to be like, a, boy, that cut, Jesus, that kind of, that was kind of harsh. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him for the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. And you know that I love you. And you can hear the desperation in Peter's voice. Lord, I can't undo it. I wish that I could. I wish that I could take back that moment. But please, know that my love for you has never stopped. And Jesus tenderly, mercifully, says to Peter, feed my sheep. And don't you know that for the rest of his life, I imagine Peter devoted himself so fully and completely to Jesus because he knew his master, his rabbi, and most of all his friend was devoted to him and restored him. So friends, good friends are devoted Good friends loved you enough to wound you. And finally, a good friend will sharpen you and make you better. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9, same chapter, three verses down. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Go down eight more verses to Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Uh, your, your friends should, should make you better. Now, it, to use the analogy of sharpening, uh, you have to, if you're going to go home and, and get your knife and sharpening stone, sharpen up your knives, when you sharpen a knife, you are dragging it across a harder surface. And you are, you are doing that to refine its edge, to remove any dull points. But you can't sharpen a knife against a metal that's softer than the knife. It's impossible to do. So you have to have a substance that is, that is designed to refine you. A good friend sharpens you in that way. Paul and Timothy are a good example of a biblical friendship. Uh, friendship. They had a strong mentor and disciple relationship that devolved into a deep friendship. 
And you hear that in Paul's letters. Uh, He mentored and encouraged Timothy in his faith and in his ministry. So, Paul did for Timothy, and, and he encouraged Timothy, and he sharpened Timothy, and he desired for Timothy to grow and to be better and to improve. And, and all of the counsel he gives in First and Second Timothy is designed, I think, if we think about it, out of Paul's love for Timothy, his friendship toward Timothy, and his desire to help him be better. Good friends do that. Good friends want better for you. I had a, a friend at Oklahoma Christian. His name is Cody Spear. Cody Spear is still in ministry. He serves the church in Texas. He's a great guy. Uh, Cody was one of those people who everybody loved. And I admired that in him. He just had that, I don't know what it was. He was the son of a missionary, so maybe it's just from that upbringing. But everyone loved Cody. Everyone knew Cody. And whether you, they were the, the jocks or the brains or the, the engineers or the, the loud kids or the quiet kids, everybody loved Cody. And you, you just saw it. Every time you went to the cafeteria, Cody was sitting at a different table. He was a good friend to all. Um, there was another student at Oklahoma Christian who uh, was the opposite of Cody. This kid was weird. It was just unusual. And he was sort of a social pariah. He was so weird and so unusual that no one really liked to be around him. I I was in a class with this kid one time, and you could tell even the professor was annoyed at this kid. And I I felt badly for him, but not badly enough to go be his friend. Um, This kid did some unusual things. He, He had a long, scraggly beard. He... His hair was wild and crazy, and, and he did some weird things. He would go across campus, and kids would say this, that they had saw him just standing on the sidewalk looking up at the full moon, just standing there forever, and that's weird. <laughs> and so, this poor kid got the terrible nickname of Wolfman because of how he looked and because of his weird behavior. And um, that was on a Christian university where arguably think it's a little bit easier for odd kids. And um, I remember talking to, to Cody one day. He was a Bible major. And I said something about Wolfman. And Cody, in a very kind way, said, oh, Wolfman, who's, and I pointed in the direction where he was sitting. He said, oh, you mean Adam? It was a very humbling moment. Because I realized in that moment that what made Cody so likable is that he liked and loved everyone as they were made in the image of God. And while everyone else gave Adam the weird kid a nickname, Cody knew his real name. And that day, Cody sharpened me, and he made me better. 
He sharpened me as iron sharpens iron and helped me to be more like Jesus. Well, hopefully that's helpful. The Proverbs give us quite a bit on friendship, but those are the main things. Number one, surround yourself with wise people. Two, be a devoted friend. Three, uh, know that good friends will wound you and only because they love you. And four, uh, good friends will sharpen you and make you better. Friend is one of Jesus' greatest compliments to us, to his disciples. He said, I no longer tell you these things as your master and teacher. I no longer call you students, but I call you friends. And I think that's a beautiful tribute to the kind of love that Jesus had for them and that Jesus wants for us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful for your word, which has so much wisdom in, in Proverbs especially, but all throughout the book, of course. Father, as we live and interact in this world, we're surrounded by lots of people. Uh, some we connect with and others we don't. Father, give us wisdom to surround ourselves with good, wise, God-fearing friends. Uh, Father, people uh, surround us with people who will sharpen us and, and make us better. People who will wound us when necessary to keep us going down the, from going down the wrong path. And Father, friends who are devoted in their love for us. But Father, more than surrounding us with those kind of people, give us the wisdom and the courage to be those kind of people, to be the friends that the world so desperately needs, that we might lead them to the greatest friend who is your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.